Welcome to episode 34 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, also known as Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I'm joined as always by my trusty co-hosts. Jackson the Sun, and boy oh boy, is this an HMP-esque Frankensteinian episode if I've ever seen it. <laughs> That's right. We are a spoiler podcast, folks. We do spoil the films we discuss. So if you haven't seen Prom Night from 1980... These are the girls of Hamilton High. Tonight they'll be more beautiful than ever before in their lives. Because tonight is prom night. And someone will come to the prom alone just to watch them dance, to see them fall in love, to see them die. Prom night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. Rated R. Or Tammy and the T-Rex from 1994. (laughs) Everything in Tammy's life is just great. But when you're young and in love, life can get very complicated, especially when it involves an insanely jealous creep. That's my lady, all right? Late night phone calls. I want you to come over. Yes! Sneaking around in your own house. Did you lock the door? Don't worry. Your boyfriend getting dumped in a wild animal park. And a crazy doctor. Well, that's it. Who turns out to be a mad scientist. And if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, right? (laughs) With an insane invention that only needs a brain. But this Tyrannosaurus Rex just wants to be a party animal. Tell the truth. Nobody believes it anymore. It was a dinosaur. What? It's more than a machine with a brain. I mean, it's a machine with feelings. We're on the brink of something special. Ah! We are going to be immortalized. Is that really you in there? Oh, Michael, what have they done to you? You poor thing. You gone crazy. Byron, I am not going crazy. This is just a little hard to explain. It's in a truck uh, being driven by your fat guy about nine years, son. Byron? Uh, yes, sir. We'll see a couple of folks back in the hospital. They, they say he stole it. Stole what? The dinosaur. Oh, Jesus. That is my dinosaur that you are threatening. I made him and he is mine. Oh, what are we going to do? I will give you immortality. Not if Tammy has anything to say about it. Tammy and the T-Rex. Then be warned, both films are currently streaming on Shudder, so you have no reason not to have seen these gems. And mm. yes, I did air quotes. So um, before we get there, have you been watching anything interesting lately, buddy, or just been too busy with school? Uh, well, I've definitely been busy, but I always make time for cinema. Um, the thing that I've been watching the most recently are short films, actually, which is usually my blind spot. But I watched a couple of... Uh, of uh czech from the czech republic a couple of short films from the 80s um and i was not disappointed uh, manly games and darkness light darkness two of the weirdest short films i've ever seen but i would highly recommend those uh and also prisoners wow. starring hugh jackman which is the complete opposite of that it's an american <laughs> two and a half hour long crime thriller so you know whatever i've got varied taste i do remember prisoners and i remember liking it i haven't seen the czech films i uh I've been checking out Hunters on Amazon Prime. I'm not 
through with it yet. I'm about eight episodes in. It's kind of bonkers, but I, I dig it. I also saw The Invisible Man last Sunday. Oh, I'm uh, so jealous. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. I, I think on Letterboxd, I gave it 9 out of 10. Elizabeth Moss is incredible in it. And yeah, definitely recommend checking that out in the in the theater. So um, now before we get into it, um, see, now last week you were not happy with my pick of Tammy and the T-Rex, I which I had not. never seen before. And yeah. I definitely wanted to check it out because um, it's been restored with the gore intact because mm-hmm. whoever the distributor was cut it. Um, I don't know why. Um, how is this movie? Tammy and the T-Rex, not a trauma film. Well, okay. Let me let me start off by saying I was I was disappointed in your pick <laughs> for Tammy and the T-Rex because um I mean it was totally out of left field, first of all. And second of all, just the name alone, Tammy and the T-Rex, and seeing the poster, um, I was like, this is going to be awful. <laughs> but I I am happy to report I was pleasantly su- surprised. I mean I I I didn't I don't think it's a masterpiece. Um, oh and no I, no no. I don't think it's as fun as a trauma film. It's not as racy uh, as a trauma film either. There is a lot of gore, especially in the beginning. Um, but there's no nudity. There's not really a lot of offensive stuff. There's some homophobic stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, oh, there's not, some racist stuff and some. There is, yeah. yeah, sure. But but there's no. It's it's not as far as something like Terra Firma. I would say like something like that, or or um, my what's that movie called? Uh, Poultrygeist. Something like oh, that yeah. is way more offensive. Uh, but I did have fun with it, so I'm excited to talk about that movie. Yeah, and if you haven't seen this, like I said, it's streaming on Shutter, and according to the uh, that inerrant source, IMDb, mm-hmm. um, the movie was made because a guy who knew the director, writer, director, had the animatronic T Rex for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and said, so "Why don't we just make a movie with this thing?" And boom, he like wrote the script in a day. Not that that shows, and no, you have a, a story about. Tammy, played by Denise Richards, a lovely cheerleader, who I, th- I think she's in high school, and she is in love with Paul Walker's character, but being harassed by her ex, Billy, played by George Pilgrim, who, by the way, has done time in prison. Uh, just mm-hmm. Google his name. It gets interesting. And Billy, this is this is early on, so this isn't a spoiler um, yet, but kidnaps Paul Walker, drops him into a wild animal reserve that has a <laughs> odd mix of animals and is pretty easy to get into yeah. where he is partially eaten by a lion except not really not really I guess we, he doesn't have a scar on him now yeah. no not anywhere they say it was horrific but he looks like simply angelic just laying in a, in a coma he looks like he just got a makeup chair and is headed exactly. to the set fast and furious and so um he's taken to the hospital where he's we're told he's in a coma mm-hmm. and is then taken by terry kaiser's character Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's, or if you will, uh, Friday 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, who is a mad scientist and places his brain in the animatonic (laughs) T-Rex and the dinosaur seeks out revenge and love. Oh, no. (laughs) And cries at his own funeral. Uh, Yeah, he does, doesn't he? (laughs) Yes, he does. 
So come on, let's jump into it. what do you think of Tammy and the T Rex? Okay, first of all, we have to establish this. Is it Tammy and the T Rex or Tanny and the Teenage T Rex? Yeah, because there's two different things. There's two titles, and the character's name is different, I guess, apparently. Because they call her Tammy in the movie, but she's credited as Tanny with two N's. Um, and it's called Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex in the credits, like in the in the opening credits. So I'm very confused as to what this movie is called and what the character's name is. Secondly, okay, if you were to tell me what would actually happen in this movie, I had no idea that the, the shutter um, summary was very vague. I think it was actually wrong. It said something that wasn't quite accurate. Uh, what? I can't believe that. But um, if you were to tell me, that Paul Walker gets abducted by a mad scientist, uh, lobotomized, his brain is put into an animatronic T-Rex. Lobotomized with a jigsaw. With a jigsaw, <laughs> yep. Oh, and by the way, we have to talk about that scene because it is one of the best instances of dark comedy I think I've ever seen in something. But um, yeah. he's, his brain is placed into an animatronic T-Rex. So he goes to a party, crashes the party, kills everybody except for his friend who, by the way, he picks him up you know, by the shoulders and dusts off his jacket. Um it's just a, it's, it, this movie does not abide by the laws of anything. It is it's it's like when you're watching it, you're wondering if it's one big joke or if you're supposed to be taking it seriously because there are jokes in the movie, but they're terrible jokes. Oh yeah. And so I guess the big joke of the movie is how ridiculous this plot is, but they take it so seriously. That's the best part. Um, oh man. I can't I mean, wait to hear. Just what when you think it can't get any more bonkers. Yep. It goes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're thinking, okay, this is gonna this is gonna try to be as tasteful as possible with the creature feature, and then she's riding on the back of the T Rex, and it's at a wide shot, and he's not even walking on the ground. He's like floating. They couldn't get it lined up right. Oh, oh. man, it is a trip. And and my favorite part of the whole movie, I've talked, I, I I've touched on the fact that everybody takes it so seriously, but the cops see. Uh, Denise Richards riding this T-Rex off in the su- off into the sunset, and they just you know kind of look at it like, "Well, go get the state police." Like, <laughs> this is not. Yeah, these cops are completely unfazed. I mean, they go yeah. to a uh, the aftermath of a massacre at a high school party, yep. and they're eating popcorn and just like, eh. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like the 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 survivors of the party are like it was a dinosaur, and he's like, let's test them for drugs. Well, what else could have done this? You know what I mean? Like that's not that out of the ordinary. I mean, with the given the circumstances, I would not be so quick to dismiss. Uh, but you know what? Whatever. This is a, this is I guess this is like an absurd comedy. It's like in the same vein as like Andy Kaufman, where anything can and will happen, and it's just kind of an anti humor kind of movie. But there is a 0% chance that LSD was not a major factor in the film's <laughs> development. Or marijuana or something. because who, Some form of narcotics was involved in the production of this film. So you said that they had an animatronic dinosaur and they thought, let's make a movie out of this. Who thinks, let's put Paul Walker's brain in the am- animatronic dinosaur and make it a love story? I would think if they're going to make a horror movie, they would just make a killer T-Rex. But no, they actually have Paul Walker and an animatronic T-Rex. Why was this the first thing that came to their minds? I have many other questions about this movie, but I, I want to hear from you because you need to level me out here. I think I'm spir- spiraling a little bit. My mood stabilizers haven't kicked in yet. I just, it was five minutes in and I was like, okay, 
<laughs> this is street trash. This is trauma. This is, you know, terror vision, whatever. This is just, it's that level of bonkers. Um, I think that's really what they were going for, to be honest. I mean, I really think that that's what they were trying to do. And and so I was like, okay, I'm in for that because I love trauma. I love street trash. I love that kind of thing. So I'm like, ah, I'm good with it. You know, because there's, well, yeah, okay, there were probably narcotics involved, but still, <laughs> you know, I've, you know, when I lived in LA, I knew people who, you know, abused drugs. Not even they would think that this is, hey, you know what's going to be big. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, I mean, you know, it's like it's the, it's made the same year as Jurassic Park, and I exactly. guess exactly. Like, let's let's you know let's let, let's do a love story between a, a T Rex <laughs> and a, a you know and a and a teenager you know cheerleader. But it's just, hey, man, look, it's got George Buck Flowers playing one of the cops. Mm -hmm. John Carpenter's own. We were just off air talking about the master John Carpenter. George Buck Flowers is a cop in this movie without a beard. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then who's the Igor? John Franklin. Of course, of Children of the Corn fame, and also Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return, the best movie ever. <laughs> See? What else do you want, man? What do you else do you want? I mean, this is directed by the guy who gave us Mac and Me mm. and Ice Pirates. I mean... We're gonna have to get to Mac and Me someday, because that is a horrifying film on its own. <laughs> I mean, it's a children's movie, technically, but oh, those aliens, those are freaky. Oh, but you know what? He wrote... Wesley, the Wesley Snipes action vehicle, Passenger 57, which yeah, is actually he, a good movie. He also made Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> yes, but it's okay. It's Ta you know, Tammy and the T-Rex. Tammy or Tanny, whatever. Tan Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. This is a movie that I sat down and for an hour and a half I subjected myself to it. Um, okay, and okay. You are happy you did. I... I yes, I'm all the better for it. No, uh, can we just address the elephant in the room, which is the acting? The acting in this movie is worse than what you'd see in an eight, 80s workplace safety video. I mean, it's like the room level acting. <laughs> my favorite part of the whole movie, I think, one of my favorite parts is uh, near the beginning of the movie, this bully uh, who eventually, you know, leads. Billy? Yeah, Billy. <laughs> Billy and um and Paul Walker, I'm just going to call him Paul Walker because that's who he is. He's not Michael, he's Paul Walker. But uh they're in a fight. And uh it it's it there's They're a really in a WWE wrestling match. Yeah, is what yeah exactly. Well, there's there's a the, the, it ends with a standoff of sorts. Uh I don't remember what the, the cops call it exactly, but um it's it's uh it's something. They're they're squeezing each other's genitals basically uh for an uncomfortable amount of time. And the best line in the movie is when Byron, the gay friend of the group, screams, "You're not squeezing hard enough, Michael." <laughs> <laughs> this is all within the first five minutes. Oh yeah, after um, he eats eats the flower. Yeah. Um. What Byron is a, is a character I want to discuss because he's kind of an interesting uh interestingly written character but uh billy is also an interestingly written character because he's so stupid it's ridiculous the choices he makes he's being hauled off by the cops and he says you're dead man he's, he's threatening michael's life and the cops just 
you know, throw him in jail, then let him out the next day to go actually kill Michael. It's 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 not a it, it doesn't abide by the laws of anything. Like I said earlier, the, well, the we've, characters we've are, already established these cops don't do their job very well. Right, but yeah. I mean, they're not people. These characters do not act like people. Uh, they're just. I don't even know. They're like cartoon characters. This, this thing may have been, may have made more sense had it been animated. Um, but <laughs> I would I, like to see this animated movie. I would, I would, I would watch that. Yeah. So that's my next project. I'm happy to announce <laughs> that I will be releasing remaking Tammy and the Tanny and the Teenage. Yeah, in animated form, Pixar style. I expect us to get a hundred million dollars in its opening weekend. Uh, I, I'm again. I'm spiraling. I've got so many notes here. Do you realize I have two pages of notes on Tammy you and the T-Rex? Two pages of notes for Tammy. Two pages and the of notes. Oh, and they're 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 I've single got, space like, two paragraphs. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I took notes every thirty seconds as I was watching this because there was always something to write down, uh, which is why I'm so worked up right now. This 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 episode was supposed to be eighty percent prom night and twenty percent Tammy and the T Rex, but I imagine uh, just from the beginning of this episode, it's going to be the other way around because I have oh so many notes. Prom night is a good movie. That's why I didn't have to write things down every thirty seconds. <laughs> I. All right, let's. I only wanted to watch this because they talk about this on Shockwaves all the time. That you know somebody had found uh, the footage that they taken out when it was shipped, basically direct to video. They put all the gore footage back in. They talked about how bonkers it is, and I'm like, well, I have to see this. So mm-hmm. it was my excuse to watch it. But I really don't have that many notes other than I had a good time. But it, I will tell people listening: if you're not a fan of trauma, if you're not a fan of a movie like Street Trash, this is not for you. This movie is not for you. Um, but let's go through it. All right, let's hear your notes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do okay. T-Rex. So the first thing that really caught me off guard was the fact that when the T-Rex is introduced, it's being controlled by uh, Mr. Franklin of Children of the Corn fame, as we previously mentioned. Okay, so uh, this goon of the evil doctor gives a barbell to the T-Rex. It picks it up with its little robot dinosaur arms and throws it back at the mad doctor so i was like okay so the t-rex you know has dispo has opposed opposable thumbs i guess and uh you know can can do all the stuff it's sentient i guess um you're looking for a logic in a movie uh, where they put paul walker's brain into yeah but they do Sure, but and, and it would be great if they would just like not address that. They would just it's magic, you know, whatever. But they go out of their way to explain how exactly Paul Walker's brain controls this dinosaur. You see, this nerve ending connects here. That that controls this limb, and and this is here. And and we have to move quick because you know the brain is starting to decay. So that they, they follow medical logic to a certain extent, and then they expect us to believe that a, a T Rex squashed this beefcake flat, and he's just as flat as a pancake being dragged around and by they, the they, Yeah, they roll him up like a fruit roller. Yeah. yeah. Um, this movie is so crazy. Um, I, I knew it was going to be something whenever the pizza delivery man walks in, sees the T-Rex and goes, are you large cheese pizza number two? He talks to the dinosaur like, like it ordered the pizza. Um, so, okay, the more I'm talking about it, I realize this is street trash. This is trauma. <laughs> exactly. Because what mind would conceive such a film? So, okay, 
So well, a, a, a guy who did Ice Pirates and Mac and me, and I say, hey, I've got an animatronic T-Rex we could use for two weeks. Want to shoot a movie? And his answer is, sure. Why did, why did Paul Walker have to get involved in this, though? He was a young actor, man. They put his brain in the dinosaur. Oh, oh, but but that's 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 kind of it. His role in the beginning is just you know dumb kind of. Uh, he's sympathetic, but he's, he's just dumb jock. Uh, and then we don't see him again for the rest of the movie until the very end, where he voice acts a brain watching Denise Richards do a striptease for him. That's his, the extent of his role in this movie. Um, we're just supposed to know that it's Paul Walker inside the dinosaur the whole time. We don't ever hear him talk. We don't we don't see any mannerisms of Paul Walker. We just know he's in there seeing everything happen. Um, listen, okay, I can respect the fact that they were trying to make something wacky that would give people a good time, but I feel like they don't know what they wanted this movie to be because they have some moments of genuine horror in this, some some pretty good gore, like the medical gore in oh, the yeah. surgery scene was really cool, and, and they did some pretty good stuff. I mean, I can tell how it was made. I can tell that it's, you know, like a latex head of Paul Walker, and uh, then they just switch to actual Paul Walker in close-up, but it looks pretty good, and I'd imagine it looked better on a VHS. Not that you would see that, because they, they cut out the gore on home distribution. All right, you want to know what I read? What's that? Okay. According to an interview with the director, Stuart Raffle or Raffle or however you pronounce his name, um, he was shooting to do a trauma-like horror comedy. Mm -hmm. All right, that's what he wanted, and he thought it would be direct-to-video. He wanted a he wanted like a Charles Band or a trauma to pick it up and do a direct-to-video. He was trying to do that kind of thing. Right. All right. <clears throat> All right. So. With that in mind, I think you can see where he was going. Mm -hmm. He's trying to do trauma. He's trying to be Lloyd Kaufman. This is what I can't understand. Mm -hmm. Here's the mystery. The distributor who ended up buying it, because apparently trauma passed or didn't offer enough money, made him cut the gore scenes because they thought it could be a family-friendly film. But, <laughs> but what about the ending? <laughs> I'm just telling you, the distributor cut all the gore because they actually thought this could be a family movie. Oh, yeah. You're on a road trip with Timmy, and, and he's like, pop in a movie for me, will you? So you pop in Tammy and the T-Rex, starring Paul Walker and Denise Richards. I... You make your kid, you know, watch that. Okay, here's here's my question, okay? Mm-hmm. This obviously not being intended to be a family film. Why did they? Who are they going to market this to? If they cut out all the gore, all the right. funny parts, which they did in the original video release in North America, yes. Who are they marketing this to? Dinosaur fans? Ah. <laughs> like, well, Jurassic like Park was hot at the time. So. It sure was, but it's not even a real dinosaur. It's an animatronic dinosaur. Well, well, they couldn't make it too unrealistic, now could they? <laughs> no, no, not at all. There is a, I love the fact that this is, I mean, we're just jumping all over the place. There's no rules so far. But um, uh, when they're driving the dinosaur in the truck, you know, that, that sentence has never yes. come out of my mouth before, but they're driving the dinosaur in the truck. But they just happen to have the T-Rex. Yeah, and, and, okay, it's just the head showing on the top of the truck. 
and you can tell it's just the head. They did not load that entire thing up. They just mounted the head on the back of a truck and just like made it wink its eye once or twice to make sure it was still alive. You know, I mean, that's your problem with this movie. I mean, come on. Wait, wait. Listen, we haven't even gotten to, you referenced the end, we haven't even got to the well, point listen, where Paul Walker is somehow getting yeah. getting liquor on the brain with his brain yeah. connected to a video camera <laughs> while Denise yeah. Richards and gets a strip tease and it makes his, his brain explode. Yeah, and his parent, her parents are fine. I mean, they're, they of course they voice their dissent, but they, they don't do anything about it. They're like, I don't think it's right that he's up there like that. Yeah, just an exposed brain watching her strip for him. Oh my gosh. But but listen, but listen. And in okay. the context of this film, I mean, Denise Richards at the time was like 23 years old, but yeah. in the context of this film, she's like 16. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What's up with that? But But here's the thing, okay? Trauma, say what you will about trauma. They make movies that are competent technically. Now they they may not be masterpieces. They're made to for shock value, but they're made competently. I do not believe this movie is made competently. It has some great gore effects, but I wrote this down. At about 47 minutes in, there's a camera in the reflection of a car, and it's just bright as day you can just see the camera up with the camera in his hands looking down at something you can see his face in the car paint reflected they didn't even care they they set up the shot knowing that would happen they just put the cameraman in there i just it just baffles me and the editing in this movie there's a scene where it, it cuts from that dinosaur displaying its true strength to Paul Walker just sitting in his room, just just listening to 80s pop in his feels, you know? He's just holding this necklace. I'm like, what is the tone of this movie? I don't understand. Um, and you, you, you touched on something, the fact that Denise Richards is supposed to be 16 in this movie. But, I mean... <laughs> I, this, I failed to see how they were like, this movie is not appealing enough. Let's add some sex appeal to it with this 16-year-old character, and let's make Paul Walker a, a disembodied voice watching this all go down. Um, it's, Are you saying it's a little creepy? It's more than a little. It's an exposed <laughs> brain watching a 16-year-old girl strip. <laughs> And that's how the movie uh, triumphantly ends. It ends like that. It's uh, like, wow, this is this will, will leave a great impression in your brains. Um, it's it's just, oh my goodness. Um, and, and yet, just, and yet, you love this movie. Um, <laughs> you're putting words in my mouth there. You let's, liked this movie. Let's put it, yes, I did enjoy myself. I, I would not recommend this to anybody. <laughs> if somebody asked me, even even what's a good horror or comedy, if I recommended this to them, do you know what would happen? They would come back the next day and just place a restraining order on me or something for recommending Tanny and the T-Rex, Teenage T-Rex or Tammy and the T-Rex. Okay, now, we've talked about how ridiculous it is. But can we talk about the politics of Tammy and the T-Rex? Okay, Byron. Right, let me hear it. Hit, hit me By Byron. Byron is is a, a very progressive character in that he's a sympathetic gay character. Right. But I can't tell if the movie wants to be progressive or homophobic <laughs> because he's a sympathetic gay character and he's got uh, like admirable traits. He's 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 one of the protagonists. But the movie constantly makes homophobic jokes at him. And and he he's written like that stereotypical gay. I cannot 
I, I don't, and it's very racist. When they're in the morgue and they're picking out bodies, he holds up the, a black dude's body and says, you could be a brother, you know, dance in rhythm. <laughs> That's oh. a line that was written by the white writers of this movie. Yes, 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 yes. Well, <clears throat> but this is also the guy who, I'm not sure if he wrote it. I know he directed one of the Mannequin sequels. Oh, man. And that had that in that, in that film series that had that, you know, um, a stereotype of a gay character also african-american and making you know jokes about it so but at the same time he's a sympathetic character yeah so he just kind of stole that from from he did i think it was the movie um stuart Rat, uh, ratliff or however you pronounce his name rafel or however um he directed one of the mannequin sequels mannequin on the move Mannequin on the move. Yes. Mannequin on the move. Oh no. Yes. But okay, okay. But, and but if memory serves all those mannequin films had that in it. So I mean, it was, it was an unfortunate trope at right. the time. But, Late eighties or nineties. It was un, in Living Color. Did it a bunch of? Yeah, there was a bunch of it. But he's very he's sympathetic, and he's got a dad who doesn't seem to be like unsupportive of his son. He doesn't seem to be disappointed in him. He he talks to him like. Like they have a pretty good relationship. It's it's not it's not saying this is bad. It's just a very strange kind of thing going on. It's like they're riding the fence the whole time. Um, it's but, a very very early nineties. Mm-hmm. I mean, we start talking about the crop tops that everybody's got on. But oh no, Paul, yeah, Paul Walker had a crop top on in the beginning, but when he's that, fighting, it's not that a crop was the top. thing. Yeah, it that just was basically the thing. comes off. Yeah, it was a thing in the nineties, but it was. So it was, it's a very early 90s movie using a lot of tropes from 80s and 90s kind of stuff. It it just is. It's a product of its time. But just the fact that we're discussing the politics of Taming and the the Teenage T-Rex or or whatever it is, I'm mixing the two titles up, uh, is astounding to me. Because we would never discuss something... Uh, like poultry guys like this or or any of the toxic adventure you know movies or spinoffs we we would never talk about that because it's fun it keeps you entertained and you just want to talk about how funny it is this movie is fun but it's also so confusing that you never know whether you're supposed to laugh or take it seriously as the horror movie because it doesn't establish itself there there are some serious horror scenes like the the right. scene where the the doctor and his, his assistant are just mauled in the and I guess the assistant gets away fine but the the doctor is mauled to death in the barn it's pretty horrifying and it's shot like a horror movie but then it'll just cut back to I guess Denise Richards laying in bed with the the dinosaur that the Byron walks in and asks if she's decent with the dinosaur with an animatronic dinosaur are you hey, kidding me? What did they build into this dinosaur? That's my question. But it's hey, but if you think about, I mean, think about trauma movies, right? So if you think about like the first Toxic Avenger movie, mm-hmm. um, there's nudity, children get run over, yep, and yet it's basically a comedy. Yeah, but we don't see any nudity in this movie. That's the thing; you can't decide uh, because it's implied. But we don't see any of that. So I, I give the point to Troma for committing fully. If it's going to make something so absurd that it leaves you scratching your head, commit fully to it and do everything that pops into your head. But, I mean, this movie, 
I, I guess it's a family film. It says PG-13 on Shudder. It says that it's rated PG-13. I would call it an R, but but back, oh no, that I, was the, yeah the PG-13 was the original theatrical rating with the cuts. But yeah, Shudder has the Vinegar Syndrome edition that has the gore in it. But like, what is it inferring? What is it inferring happened in that barn? With the animatronic T-Rex and Denise Richards. Hey, man, I didn't go there. So I, I don't Why know. Why did she I agree to do this movie? It was like her, one of her first movies. She just had, you know, she's a struggling actress. If I, was appro- if I was approached by a guy, let's just say he's an agent of some kind, and he says, hey, I got the role of a lifetime for you. And I say, okay, what, what, what is the role? Of course, I want to break into the industry. And he says, you play Tammy. Of the titular, uh, the titular character Tammy and Tammy and the T Rex. Okay, I like where this is going. Jurassic Park is big right now. So here's the thing: you do, you fall in love with the person who is inside of the animatronic T Rex, right? And it's inferred that you have a sexual relationship. <laughs> and this is a family film. And this will be this will be across theaters all across the world, and you will star opposite of Paul well, Walker. Well, this was nobody knew who Paul Walker was. This was her third role, um, and looks like she didn't have another one. Well, maybe Tammy and the T Rex almost killed her career. She didn't have another job for three years. Um, it was in a movie with Billy Piper, I think, right from Doctor Who. It her very first movie was actually Loaded Weapon One with Emilio Estevez and Samuel okay. L. Jackson. Then she did a movie called Looking Italian, which I've never heard of. And then she didn't do another movie till '97 when she did a movie called Nowhere, which I don't know anything about. I'm looking to see if she did. So Tammy some... did her career. She did some TV. You know, she did a few TV episodes in 94, 95, 96, just an episode here and there, various series. So, you know, it, it, and, you know, I, I'll be, I was a big fan of hers until she married Charlie Sheen. And I was like, oh, you buy that crazy. <laughs> um, yep. But <sighs> Tammy and the T-Rex, look, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, because I don't want to be here till midnight. My bladder won't take it. Talking about Tammy and the T-Rex. Because we, we could, we could oh, we could go through every single plot point. Um, I love the cast. These are, nobody in this cast is Oscar worthy. Don't get me wrong. But to see Terry Kaiser and Paul Walker and Denise Richards and George Buck Flowers and John Franklin all in the same movie, I dug it. Um, the director was really trying to do a direct-to-video kind of trauma kind of movie. I think he pulled it off. It's bonkers. I mean, look at it this way. You've got two pages of notes after watching this movie. So he obviously, if he was shooting for like Lloyd Kaufman level, he may have not achieved it, but he achieved something. Yeah, but to be fair, I have five pages of notes on Redemption Ride, which is quite possibly the worst film of all time um, and the bane of my existence. So I've, I don't think the quality is dictated by how many notes I take because Prom Night is half the notes that uh, that uh, Tammy and the, and the Teenage T-Rex has. So um, I, I just don't I, I just want to end my thoughts on this film because I do agree this is getting out of hand. We've been, we've been talking about it for, for far too long. <laughs> Can can we both agree that uh, that the two leads in this movie are gigglier than a to- toddler in a McDonald's play place? I mean, like <laughs> every single thing they say to each other in the beginning of the movie, it's just he 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 he. It's like, oh, 
I was about ready to turn it off. Yeah, I'm so but I, I'm kind of thinking maybe he was kind of riffing on the whole like Beverly Hills 90210 kind yeah. of thing that was going on at the time. Sure. So, so I, I, you know, that didn't bother me. I like I said immediately, I saw where this was going. This is this is, you know, he's he's shooting a over the top kind of B movie. You know, I I was okay with that. I am okay with this kind of movie. I understand a lot of fans, especially horror fans, mm-hmm. hate trauma. Right. They hate street trash. They hate those kind of movies. They don't like their horror and comedy put into the same batch. I would bet you dollars to donuts that Jay of the Dead would hate this movie. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah, despise this movie. So, um, but... If you like those kind of movies, I say give it a watch. I am seriously considering buying the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Why? It's on Shudder. I I know. God bless Shudder. But I'm just saying I, I'm seriously considering it because I want to see some of these extras. I, want, I, I need more of these stories. Um, I don't know who they interviewed for the extras. I haven't looked, but I... I, I I, I need <laughs> they get Steven Spielberg on. They, they, they interview him about what he thinks Tammy and the T-Rex did for for the the cinematic arts I, at large. you know I'm just saying it's you know mm-hmm. you know going into a movie called Tammy and the T-Rex from I the mean, director kind of, of me you, you I know. was I was expecting something along the lines of Howard the Duck but um I think it's less bad than that but that might not be a good thing I'm not sure Oh, well. So, let me get your rating and recommendation. No, okay, you first. I don't want to... You, you first on Taming the T-Rex. I don't want to give mine just yet. I want to hear what you have to say. All right, before. first of all, first of all, the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, region free, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, 4K. Awesome. Audio, audio commentary with the director. Mm-hmm. Blood Brains and a Teenage T-Rex, an interview with the director. A Blast from the Past, an interview with Denise Richards about this. Mm. Um, a Testicular Standoff, an interview with actor George Pilgrim. <laughs> I would pay money not to have this Blu-ray. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah, reversible cover artwork. Yeah, yeah, I may. I this may is like a to. collector's edition. <laughs> For Tammy and the T-Rex. Who is this marketed towards? Oh, uh, to me, obviously. This is, let me see how yeah. much this is. Uh, 2349. That's pretty steep, but I, I'm. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just it's saying. It's worth uh, it for those extra interviews, you know. I, 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 I do actually want to watch this with the commentary with the director. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd like to hear what he has to say. So, all right, I will go first. Okay. Um. Here's what I do on Letterboxd, okay? Um, for example, with Nailgun Massacre. I gave it one star. Mm-hmm. But I said, please keep reading. <laughs> right. I cannot objectively give this one star. How uh, More than one star. However, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. There are those movies that are just so terrible. But I still love them. And Trome is not really fair because they're trying to make 
terrible stuff. But uh, right. and they and I and they were here too. But my point is like there are movies like Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, it's a terrible movie, but I really love it. And so with Nail Gun Massacre, I think they were actually trying to do a good movie and it just came out just god awful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but I was like, okay, it's one star, but you know, I really like this movie and you should see it. Now, with this, I was going back and forth. Objectively, yeah, this is a one-star movie. But because according to the director, and I can see from watching the movie where he was going, that he was shooting for that. Mm-hmm. That he's like... It's easy he, to say that afterwards. I don't know. I mean... I mean, Wazo said the same thing about The Room. Oh, it was supposed to be a comedy. It was okay. never supposed well, to be a Well, but Tommy Wazo is obviously a... A nutbag. I mean, this guy actually. I love re- the guy. I would love to I meet Tommy Wiseau. But he's, I, I would too, but he's still, he's still a nut job. <laughs> um, whereas this guy, I mean, he wrote Passenger 57, which is actually a decent action movie, you know, so I, I I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack. Um, but he also so, made Mac and me. I, yeah, I know. Um, I got I got to learn the story behind that too. But I, I'm going to come in at a six. I'm going to call this a, low priority stream unless you're a fan of movies like those produced by Troma mm-hmm. or something like Street Trash if you love those kind of movies, Terror Vision, then I'd say you have to see this. That's what I would say. I am so glad I let you go first because I was ashamed of what I was about to rate this movie. <laughs> I'm giving it a 6 out of 10 but also an avoid. <laughs> Oh, no! It's a 6 out of 10 10 for enjoyment alone. I was feeling 6.5 until the ending. Uh, The ending was just a complete, you know, like, oh, I can never... It's it's weird, but I'll agree with you, it's weird. So 6 out of 10, I would say 6 out of 10 objective, actually, because the story is awful, but the cinematography... And uh, the effects, you know, the, the dinosaur animatronic, not bad. So six out of ten objectives with, other than the with story. With the exception of the hospital scene with Terry Kaiser where you can see the boom mic right above his head. Right. Well, <laughs> actually, that was, that was a really, I think that was one of the best scenes of the movie. Whenever he's like, he's pounding on his chest, live, live, live. Well, he's dead. That was actually a good scene. Now, that, it was that's, funny. That's what's keeping it at a six out of ten. Um, uh, but I would say it's an avoid. For the very same reasons that I say it's a 6 out of 10, which is that even if you enjoy this movie, you're going to think the person who recommended it to you was crazy. So I don't want that blood on my hands. I don't want you to go and watch this movie, then hit me up on Twitter and say, what was this I just watched? Because I don't know. So 6 out of 10, avoid maybe low priority rental if you love uh, schlocky movies. Uh, So that's where I stand on it. Uh, but you, you'd have to, come on. I mean, somebody, if, if you're talking to somebody and they're like, and you're saying, so what are you into? And they rattle off movies and they're like, but you know what? I also love like street trash. Mm-hmm. Would you not recommend Tammy and the T-Rex to that person? No, never to anybody. <laughs> Who in their right minds would accept, I... would accept a recommendation from somebody. They ask for something to watch and they say, Tammy and the T-Rex. No, believe me, it's fun. If you heard that, you should run. Because even oh. if it is fun, if this is what they're choosing to recommend to you, something is wrong with them. 
Six out of ten movie. I'm just saying, I think this is a party movie. I occasionally have people over and put on a bad movie, and uh, I I may have to have this. Oh yes, it's great to have a whole po- a house full of people and have Denise Richards stripping for a brain on the screen. Well, she's not nude, so it's, it, you know it's just she she's even got. I, I think she even has a feather boa. I mean, at the beginning, she which might as well be. I mean, yeah. it's very seductive for a sixteen-year-old character. It, it I is, don't like it. It's, uh, it's a bit Paul- disturbing. I don't like the fact that they had Paul Paul Walker come into a recording booth and go, "Oh yeah, I can't take any more. You got to get me a body." It's just, ugh. But not an African American one because apparently he was racist. But or, anyway. or Asian, he is racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, a racist dinosaur. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Now I oh uh, boy, all right, all I say, see it. Um, so let's move on to what's supposed to be our feature review for the week. Yeah. From 1980, Prom Night. So, thoughts on Prom Night from 1980? I watched the second after Tammy and the T-Rex because I wanted something to look forward to. Um, <laughs> uh, Canadian slasher. Uh, you don't you don't get set too many of those. Set in Ohio. Yeah, set in Ohio. Now, I will say movies like My Bloody Valentine, uh, which I believe that's Canadian, isn't it? The original? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's a good movie. Prom Night continues that legacy of good films coming out well, of it Canada. It came first. It actually came um, first. Prom well, Night was a go. year before. My okay, yeah. there you go. Um, Prom Night, I really dig it. I think there's it's a little excessive in some parts, but um, uh, as far as a viewing experience, I think it's really tight. I think it's a good movie. Um, and I want to discuss it in length, but uh, that's, that's, my, that's my summary here for the beginning of, of our discussion. All right, well, let me give you two pushbacks. Let me play devil's advocate here. Sure. Number one. So you love disco. And number two. (laughs) No. Is it not a little slow to get to the action? Okay. That's what I was. I found myself thinking that we're at 57 minutes in and the opening scene is the only action that's, that's really happened. But I will defend this movie because... I think it is mostly a a teen drama. I mean, it's a teen drama with horror undertones, um, which I think it does really well. Now, the last 30 minutes or so, maybe not last 30, but last 20 minutes are horror, and the first five minutes are horror. But other than that, it's more of a teen drama. And I was really struck by how creepy that beginning was with the kids. I think it was it was kind of Giallo-esque, having these kids running around in this echoey, kind of creepy, uh, abandoned house. And, and you know, these, the, creepy kids weren't something that um, slashers touch on a lot. Usually they're the ones in peril. Um, you know, you got the babysitters, obviously, that whole big trope. But uh, it was an interesting choice on the part of the filmmakers to have the kids commit the first kill, uh, inadvertently, of course. But um, they commit the first kill, and the whole movie... Uh, hinges on the fact that the killer, or I guess you're supposed to believe that the killer uh, is trying to get revenge for being framed for this these this murder of this of this young girl when in fact it was these kids. Um, and now of course there is a twist by the end, and this is a spoiler podcast, and we'll, so we'll get to that. But um, you know I like this movie. It is slow to begin with, but it's not. Once you get to the action, nothing feels like it was unnecessary. Okay, fair enough. And I think it does have a decent cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
how can you go wrong with Leslie Nielsen and exactly. Jamie Lee Curtis? Leslie yeah. Nielsen was a, was a strange addition to this movie. I had no idea. I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, what? That's a different Leslie Nielsen. No way. But well, he did do, I mean, other than Creepshow, of course, he's done some horror. But, I mean, he was, before he did Airplane in 1980, which was the same year, he was known as a dramatic actor, even though, in real life, he was kind of a goofball. He loved to play practical jokes. He loved whoopee cushions. Um, somebody gave him a fart machine that made fart sounds all the time, which he would do just constantly on set. Um, so he was, you know, he was a guy who liked to joke around. But, you know, up until Airplane, <clears throat> which I, don't, I didn't look up to see if Airplane came out before or after prom. I didn't look that up in a second. But, well, yeah, Leslie Nelson was known as a dramatic guy before well, I, w- I immediately what popped into my head was Naked Gun, because that's like when you see him in this movie, he's even kind of got the same swagger. But he plays a very he does play a dramatic character um, and it's, it's it takes itself pretty seriously. For the most part, there is some comedy in it, especially with the character who I am looking forward to. I have been looking forward to talking about him uh, all day, which is Slick, uh, the character of Slick who is not very slick at all, but, but we'll talk about him. And, and Oh, I love um, slick. I do love he, slick. I mean, he is I, the look, relief. you know, many years ago, I found myself overweight after an illness. I do sympathize with those types, people who are struggling with weight issues, who still get the girl, just like the guy in my bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like slick. Yeah, I like slick as well. Uh, RIP slick. He goes out in a blaze of glory. Literally. <laughs> Leah. Yeah, I mean that was kind of out of left field. It's Rambo esque, but um, uh, I think would you consider this a slasher, even though it's mostly a teen drama? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would too. But I think a lot of people would dispute that because the body count really isn't that huge, and it doesn't get going until the last twenty minutes. Um, whereas most slashers, especially in the early slasher era in this early '80s kind of um time period. We would have little kills throughout, and then the climactic kills with the final girl discovering all the bodies in the last 20 minutes. Um, whereas this movie kind of saves its action, and the kills are done off screen. We do know that a killer has killed somebody. Uh, we see the body in the crime scene. But uh, it's, it's sort of a crime thriller mixed with a teen drama. Now, I have to ask you... Uh, mm-hmm. What do you okay? So the first time you watched this movie, were you expecting the killer reveal? You know what? It's been so long since I first saw it because I, I should say I I saw this the first time. I mean, I was eight years old when this came out, so I was not going to see this in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a preacher's kid in Southern Ohio, and I think this only played at the drive-in um, locally. I saw this on VHS probably mm-hmm. when I was twelve or thirteen years old. Okay, so I'm I'll be 48 next month. So it's that's been a while. Um, right. So I can't remember if I was shocked or or not. Um, I think that I I definitely know that I had seen Friday the 13th before I'd seen this, mm-hmm. and so I think that going into it, I wasn't even really looking for who the killer was because I at that sure. point I felt that Friday the 13th was such a cheat. Mm-hmm. And that we're never introduced to Mrs. Voorhees until yeah, exactly. She's pretty much revealed as the killer within the next five minutes. So I, I really, at, when I watched it the first time, if my memory is correct, I was just watching it as a slasher movie. Sure. 
Well, I I uh, would like to report that I was thoroughly shocked, though I shouldn't have been, because okay. who I thought was going to be the killer, it, it shows no signs of being the killer at all. I was convinced that the janitor would be revealed to be the killer in some way. But they say at the beginning of the movie he wears a mask, and, and though it's revealed that the killer at the end doesn't have these facial disfigurations, I had right. no reason to believe that, that the janitor was the killer, so I don't know. Um, well, I, they have a shocked. lot of red herrings, right? I mean, you've sure. got... Um, there's a deleted scene, apparently. I don't own this, but apparently there is a deleted scene where they point to Leslie Nielsen being a suspect. Um, there's... Okay. There's a scene where, well, there's a scene apparently where he's talking to a psychiatrist and he's talking about the anger at losing his daughter and who caused his daughter's death. Oh, yeah, I get really that. kind of going over that. And so it's kind of pointing like maybe he's it. Then, of course, you've got the janitor, the poor, you know, the so-called creepy custodian, you know. They, and then you've got the escaped serial killer on the loose, a la Black Christmas, right? you got somebody mm-hmm. running around that way who is deformed, you know, disfigured. Um and, you know, so there, there are lots and lots of red herrings. Uh, but it's one of those things that even if you think prom night is boring, it's slow, there are too many red herrings, it cheats, you can it, it definitely see that this was one of Kevin Williamson's favorite slashers and influenced his writing of Scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does hit all the tropes. I mean, we've got the characters there, you know, we've got all the teen drama like I was talking about, and the stereotypes are definitely there with uh, all the red herrings. And and it's it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't really even think about the fact that there were a lot of red herrings, but it takes a while for the the real killer to be revealed and we're left guessing the entire movie. Um had there been that deleted scene with Les- Leslie Nielsen being set up to be the killer, I think that would have been a little too much, but I wasn't bothered mm-hmm. by it. I didn't and as I talked about earlier, I wasn't bothered by the pacing either. Because I was actually really invested in what was going on with Wendy and uh, this this jerk bully. I forget his name. The guy that gets suspended from school. Lou. Um, that's right, Lou, who is uh, a cartoon character of sorts. I mean, he drinks Jack Daniels while driving. Right. Uh, so he's a man of culture, you can see. But he he actually had a fairly lengthy career. I was I looked I him up on IMDb. Like, he was in uh, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven from 1992. Best picture. What? He's in it. Yeah. he's He acted for another 20-some years. Well, um, he does a great job doing what he, he's doing, I guess. Um, he's he's pretty, pretty uh, aggressive. He, he's intimidating as a character. But I was very invested with what was going on. I don't think you understand— I was I was actively going over in my head what was going to happen, you know, what are they what are they planning this prom, you know, what's Wendy going to do? And I realized, am I a mean girl? I think I'm a mean girl. <laughs> uh, while watching this movie, I think I'm I'm I would be that kind of person if I were in this movie because I was really hoping that Wendy was going to do something to Jamie Lee Curtis even though I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yeah, we uh, didn't even mention Jamie Lee Curtis, who is, I think, does a, a really good job here. She's great in this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she has more to do in Halloween. I mean, in this than in Halloween, honestly. Um, 
she's more of a dynamic character. And I, my favorite part, I think, of the whole movie is her uh, her relationship with her brother Alex and, and how they interact. That scene with uh, them getting ready for prom was great. I don't know. I, I thought that was the yeah. highlight, one of the highlights of the movie, apart from the van scene. Uh, there is I mean, a there is a part of me thinking about what you're saying. It's like it's almost like if John Hughes made a slasher film. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's actually honestly just as good at being a teen drama as a, as a slasher. Though the kills are really gruesome, in my opinion, uh, really disturbing because it's shot really choppy and dreamlike, especially uh, the first like big kill uh, with the I, I forget her name, but but the the girl who turns down her boyfriend, and she's killed in the locker room. It's all choppy and grainy and dreamlike. It's like we're watching a nightmare unfold yeah. on the screen. So that was that was pretty disturbing to me. Uh, and then the action-packed theme with Slick and yeah. uh, and and Jude. Is that her name, Jude? Yeah, um, in the van, yeah. That whole van scene is just like an action sequence, and it's really well shot. Uh, has has great pacing to it and ends uh, quite explosively. I yeah, and let me ask it. you that because the director claims, sure, that the stunt coordinator stole that van. Oh my gosh! You buy that? I don't buy that. Uh, I'm not it, sure I buy that. It very well might have happened, but I can't imagine anybody thinking, "Let's steal a van, drive it off a cliff, and let it explode." And then, I mean, what's your plan from there? Because uh, this was made at the same time as Friday the Thirteenth, and it had three it, times the budget. I mean, it yeah. had a $1.5 million budget. That's mm -hmm. for a movie shot in 1979. That's not nothing. That that van doesn't look brand new right off the lot. Um, I think Flick has been doing some time in that thing. Well, uh, I yeah, I agree with that. But I just, I'm I mean, not it's sure got a velvet that. interior. The director, so. Paul Lynch, who you know went on to do a slasher called Humongous, which I wasn't. I loved when I was a kid, and I rewatched when I went through the horror movies in 1982, and yeah, it's not that good. And so he went on to do a lot of TV, um, uh, a lot of TV. But I, that sounds like a, I don't know, that sounds a like a story. Tale. Yeah, tall tale. I, I, I'm not buying it, but I do like the cast. Uh, the here's something I found: um, the actress who played Wendy, mm -hmm. uh, Anne Marie Martin, the Mean Girl. Um, she would do a lot of TV stuff in the 80s. She did soap operas. I recognized uh, her face, definitely. Yeah, she did soap operas. She did a lot of TV in the 1980s. But then in the 90s, she transitioned to screenwriting, oh. and she wrote Twister, the 1996 movie with Bill Paxton. And That's yeah. odd. Yeah, she wrote Twister. So good on her, you know, that's yeah. fantastic. To, Multifaceted. You know, yeah, good on her. So yeah, because I thought she was great as Wendy and, mm -hmm. and she was good in everything I remember seeing her in the 80s. And so, and she wrote Twister, which is a fun movie in my opinion. So mm -hmm. um, now real quick before we leave Jamie Lee Curtis, you and I do have a somewhat tenuous connection to Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh yeah, what's that? Jamie Lee Curtis co-starred in a movie called Queen's Logic. Okay. Uh, with John Malkovich and Linda Florentino. It came out in 1991, had a limited theatrical run, and then went direct to video. Mm -hmm. When there's a scene in Queen's Logic where John Malkovich, who's a buddy of Jamie Lee Curtis, is in the movie, opens his uh, apartment windows in Queens, puts speakers on, and starts blasting a song. Mm -hmm. The song is called Arms of the City. Yeah, I'm still the, following you. 
the song was written by your Uncle Brian, my brother. Oh, wow. So basically what you're saying is that me and Jamie Lee Curtis are essentially best friends. Well, I'm just saying your uncle shares an IMDb credit with Jamie there Lee Curtis. There you go. Yeah, that is really uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, I will have no problems getting the Prom Night remake, a reboot, sequel done uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> I guess. I have we'll that family give connection. you her. There you go. Say, hey, yeah. do you remember that direct-to-video movie <laughs> you did? Remember that song? Yeah. My uncle wrote that song. So yeah. let's do a deal. For real. <laughs> I mean, she was willing to come back for ho- for a Halloween sequel. I don't see why we can't just ignore Hello, Mary Lou's, uh, uh, you know, All as canon. And just, sequels and just go. Yeah, just make a, a sequel to the first prom night. Uh, somehow we'll resurrect Alex. I don't Alex know is back out on the streets. You yeah. know, he somehow went into coma, survived. He's back mm-hmm. out on the streets. Like Paul Walker. Which, which by the way... Um, there's something I was thinking about while I watched this movie today. Um, if you ever find yourself trapped in a horror movie, say Mm -hmm. a la final girls, you know, where they just automatically are kind of swooshed into a horror movie, stay away from Jamie Lee Curtis's brothers. Yeah. (laughs) Any Jamie Lee Curtis in a horror movie is a killer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? She's got bad, bad luck with siblings. She does I, I not the, have a great gene pool. No, not in the fog her. is the only movie I can think of, like a big movie I can think of. I mean, that doesn't she doesn't have a brother in that, but still stay away from her in general. Who knows why yeah. she was hitchhiking? Exactly. Maybe. <laughs> oh, OK. What was her character's time. name? Was her last night and last name Bundy? You don't hey, know. I'm just saying. Theory time. Yeah. Here's my theory. Her last name was Hammond. I'm saying The Fog is a sequel to Prom Night. <laughs> to Prom Night. She was running from her oh, past life. Poor Miss yeah. So she comes to this little sleepy town uh, with the mustache, Tom Atkins. Uh, everything seems to be going great. And then pirates attack, you know, ghost fog pirates. Uh, I can see it now. We need to do a crossover. There you go. There you go. Oh, man. So <laughs> you brought up the kills. I do like the kills, especially the one at the dance where Lou gets a little taken off the top. Ugh. Like <laughs> That's that one. one way of describing it. I read in the trivia the actor. So the actor who plays Lou, and this happens all the time. This happens all the time. If an actor is regularly kind of a heavy in a movie, mm-hmm. you meet them in real life and they're sweet people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens like Leonardo all DiCaprio. the time. Well, oh gosh, um, <laughs> James Ray- Raymar, who you know plays a bad guy in Forty Eight Hours, you know he often plays a bad guy, has a reputation one of the sweetest people in the world. Ronnie Cox, who I I met briefly when I lived in L.A., you know he plays the heavy one of the heavies in Total Recall. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most people would know him as a good guy in Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2 is Bogomil. But he's, you know, he was he was a heavy in Total Recall and he sometimes plays that guy screaming. I met him. Sweetest guy in the world. Absolute sweetest guy in the world. So the guy who plays Lou. Um, as I said, he had a long acting career, relatively speaking. I mean, if you can do this for 20 odd years, that's a pretty good career, which he had. Um. He was so, when they took his head off, he was actually, as you can imagine, under the stage. It was his real Mm -hmm. head. And he was under the stage. Well, he had some medical problems. And he was scared to do it. 
And mm-hmm. so the director, Paul Lynch, actually held his hand while they shot that scene because he was so nervous to have his body trapped under that stage with his head sticking up. And he was really nervous about keeping his eyes still and all that kind of stuff. And he was nervous that he was actually really a sweet guy. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be acting if he was actually the jerk that Lou is in the movie. Right. right. Um so, I mean, he may have the best performance tied with Jamie Lee Curtis for the best performance in the movie if he really was that much different than himself. Um, and he is, I mean, he's great in the movie. Like I said earlier, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when he picks up Wendy and he's just got two guys in the back of the car. He's smoking a cigarette, takes a, a drink of, of Jack Daniels and just plows right into a trash can. Um <laughs> And and okay and also the part that where does happen at, in, that does happen in Appalachia quite a bit. So and and the part where they're ordering food, and he's like, "Well, I'm kind of short on cash," and she says, "You can owe me." And he says, "Well, then I'll have a couple of hamburgers." And he starts ordering a off a large fry with, and a co- and a beer, yeah. but oh, you don't have beer or coke. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, I I like the cast in this a lot. Um, I think there are some problems with it. I. I think there are too many red herrings I could have done without the janitor thing. The whole thing with the serial killer on the loose, that was actually shot after principal photography. That was actually added into the script later. They needed more uh, thrills in the movie. Well, they, the director, Paul Lynch, is a big fan of giallos, and so he, he likes red herrings. Yeah, I definitely saw the giallo, as I mentioned earlier, with the kids in the beginning. Oh, yeah. That whole that whole scene was stylistically very much like a giallo. Um Absolutely. Yeah, but, it, it, I mean, I wish I kind of wish the whole movie had been a giallo, that giallo style, but it it, it definitely sinks into uh, late 70s, early 80s dance teen movie for most of the... Yeah, it's, it's an amalgam, but we saw that in the 80s a lot, right? I mean, you see the rise of <clears throat> the action horror with 10 to Midnight and Silent Rage and Cobra and so forth. You see these kind of uh, comedy plus, you know, buddy movie, road trip, you know, with Midnight Run. You see all that kind of stuff come to, you know, uh, come together in the 80s. You see, there, there was just a lot of that. You know, I'm 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 OK with that. I'm I'm all right with that. So. All right. What else do you want to talk about when it comes to prom night? Uh, just a couple things. First of which, uh, just a quick one. Why is a song with the lyrics, you turn me on each and every night playing at a school function? Well, all right. To be fair, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to public schools in the eighties. Well, mm-hmm. I also went to private schools. We got, we got kicked out of two of them, but anyway, mm-hmm. I went to schools in the eighties and the, Chaperones really did not pay close attention to the music that was selected. So I can remember like being at a dance in the eighties where they were playing like George Michael's, I want your sex or (laughs) darling Nikki by Prince and the revolution. So yeah, that you can get, you could have gotten away with that in the eighties. And I, and to be fair, I did read this in IMDb trivia. Um, The uh, lady who wrote the songs for the movie, 
mm-hmm. had only five days to compose all the songs for the movie. They're pretty good. Uh, the the prom for night five song, days. And I yeah. hate disco, and I was even like, after yeah. I read that, I was like, oh, I'm cutting you some slack. Yeah, well, the prom night song, it, like it's called Prom Night, uh, and that's the scene where Jamie Lee Curtis is is dancing uh, on the dance floor with a prom with a prom king. Right. It's a pretty good song. I was bobbing my head. I I don't like disco either. I'm with uh, Rob Zombie when I say disco sucks, but um. <laughs> That was a good, I mean, even though that scene was just like schlock, it was, it, I mean, we did not need three minutes of Jamie Lee Curtis and, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't remember the actor's name, uh, the, the guy who, who dumps yeah. Wendy, but, um, man, uh, that song was catchy. I'll give her that much in five days to compose all the songs. It's pretty good. And, and, and disco plays throughout pretty much the entire movie. I mean, even in the kill scenes, you can hear it thumping in the background. Yeah, uh, Casey Stevens played Nick, mm. Nick McBride. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's Casey right. Stevens. So I don't remember him from anything else, but yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what else do you want to talk about? Uh, mm, I don't think we've given Slick enough credit yet. This man, R.I.P. Slick. Yeah, R.I.P. Slick. He pulls off a date with Jude because he has a van and he has weed. Uh. That's and pure confidence. I mean, please Slick don't has, follow that example. Please don't. Pick, <laughs> or not pick. Slick has the confidence of a lion, but he has like the gracefulness of a pufferfish. I mean, this guy, he would be somebody <laughs> I'd hang out with, just because this man has a velvet uh, interior van, and he's I'm somehow. Starting to, I'm starting to worry about you. <laughs> you wouldn't want to hang out with Slick. I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't want you to hang out with me when I was 16. So I'm just saying. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't think Slick would would go uh, to my school. Uh, he would find himself very like uncomfortable. Slick. I had friends like Slick. I had, okay. uh, believe it or not, well, when, before I went off to LA. Um, so this was just junior high and and freshman sophomore year. Before I took off, um, I played football. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to play. I love football. I love watching football. I don't particularly like playing football, but I played football because um, peer pressure. I just all my friends were playing, mm-hmm. like every friend I had. And so I had friends who were offensive and defensive linemen who were a bit overweight, a bit obese. Mm-hmm. But I hung out with them because they were just fun. You know, I didn't care. They were just fun. They were fun guys. And it was, um, and so it was, yeah, I had friends like Slick. So, yeah, I like Slick a lot. R.I.P. Slick. R.I.P. Slick. Let's get that T-shirt done. R.I.P. Slick. Yes. Yeah. With a history textbook. Yes. Um, I, you think this is the time for studying is one of the best lines in any yeah. slasher ever. And he just opens the book and it's just packed full of joints. Yeah. Um, was not seeing that twist. Actually, I think that's the best twist in the movie. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is the killer reveal. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think there's any indication that Alex witnessed, um, the death of uh, oh, I think that's the little cheap. girl at the beginning. I think yeah. It was kind of an addition like, Oh, I, I, I know, I knew you guys did it out of like, where were you? Didn't you go home? I mean, <laughs> like what? Yeah. I but, think that um, was, a cheat. I think that was a cheat. And going back to our you know previous conversation about Tammy and the T-Rex, Mm-hmm. Why was he wearing makeup? Yeah, I don't know. Is hey, that man, like a? Is that like a? I mean, 
is he trying to embody his sister or are they trying are they making a homophobic i i don't know what was going on there that, remember midnight evil midnight not midnight new year's, not evil? new year's evil which oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking of the song midnight from the yeah movie. new year's evil yes uh i i think it's i think it's along the lines of the killer from new year's evil who calls himself evil uh who kind of does the same thing and his son i guess uh who also is cross-dressing which is just son, it, it, it's really weird i don't understand yeah. what was going on there but i, I guess yeah. in the 80s if you were a killer you're messed up in the head We'll have to cover New Year's Evil at some point, if nothing else, to try to explain what in the world she's talking about when she's talking about boil your hair. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway. Weird movie. I yeah, think Taming a- the T-Rex is less weird than New Year's Evil. <laughs> I don't like know. Possibly. But I think it's, yeah, I don't know what, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on in New Year's Evil. But yeah, I I don't know what was going on there at the character's reveal. I agree with you. I think it was a cheat. I, I, I don't see how Alex could have, you know, put that together or I just don't see it, especially when it seems like the cops were convinced it was the serial killer. Right. Yeah. And, and, but that part made sense to me because they didn't know that he hadn't killed the little girl, uh, which kind of started the events of the movie. They thought that that it had been that killer, which is why they tracked him down and he was disfigured that whole thing. It made sense to me why he was getting revenge but uh, as since we, the audience, know that it was the kids, that it was Jude and the others who, who uh, you know, caused that to happen, there's not really any tension there for us because, you know, we, can, we knew what happened behind the scenes. So um, I don't know. That's pretty much all I have to say about this movie. I definitely better than Tammy and the T-Rex. I think we can both agree. I still think Tammy and the T-Rex is fun. All right. Sure, so it's watch fun, your... it's also fun. It is, but it's it's not. Well, I'll wait. Let, let's hear your rating and recommendation on Prom Night, and then I'll go. Okay. Well, I would give Prom Night a seven point five out of ten, um, compared to Tammy and the T Rex's six out of ten in Avoid. I would give this a seven point five out of ten. Uh, rent it. It's not high priority, but not necessarily low priority either. It is a classic uh, in the slasher genre. So if you haven't seen it yet. You got to see this, uh, and if you're interested in this, you, I recommend you see the sequel, which isn't really a sequel. It just kind of uses nope. the name Prom Night, but I still think that movie is fun. Uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which I think Joe Bob covered. Is that, is that Did he cover that? I think so, yeah. I think so, so that's the way to watch that, but as far as this movie goes, it's streaming on Shudder, um, so I would recommend it 7.5 out of 10, mid-priority rental. It's a 7.5 for me as well. It isn't on my list of top 10 slashers. It's not up there with yeah, Halloween or and Scream and, and so forth. But I still think it's a fun time. Um, like I said, I watch this first on VHS. Um, definitely check it out on Shudder because the transfer on Shudder is really good. It is it, good. Yep. Yeah. The, the old transfer that was on Amazon Prime was just god awful. But this is this is really good. Um, I call it a high priority stream, especially if you're a slasher fan. If you're a slasher fan, if you're a Scream fan mm-hmm. and you want to see where Kevin Williamson kind of got a lot of inspiration for Scream, I would definitely watch Prom Night. Right. And though uh, it isn't in my top five slashers either for the year 1980, it's pretty, I mean, it's up there. We've got movies like, uh, you know, The Shining, obviously, but right. as far as slashers go, it is definitely up there for me. 
Um, and it, and it did, you know, play into a lot of the tropes that we're so comfortable with at this point. So it's a, it's a fun watch. Uh, maybe not as wacky or as, uh, you know, comedy filled as Taming the T-Rex, but it does, uh, take itself more seriously. So if you're looking for that, I definitely recommend this movie. Yeah. And it's like we said, it's got a great cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like the cast. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah, I was trying to look back on what my top 10 movies from 1980s, from 1980 uh, specifically were. I know that The Shining was number one, but Mm -hmm. so I had Prom Night as my number nine in my top 10. Okay. Uh, I've got The Shining as number one. The Fog is number two. Uh, William Peter Blatty's The Ninth Configuration is three. Some people will say that's not a horror movie. But it does have Joe Spinell and Tom Atkins, so how can you go wrong? Uh, the Changeling is number four. Friday 13th is number five. Altered States, six. Dressed to Kill, seven. Motel Hell, eight. Prom Night, nine. And Argento's Inferno at ten. That was my top ten from, from 1980. So I definitely recommend that you seek it out. So, folks, you can find us at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com, where we occasionally blog. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we would appreciate a subscription, a five-star rating and review over at Apple, or just help us share the word, uh, word online. We'd appreciate that. So that being said, where can they find you online, buddy? On Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. On Letterboxd, on, on Letterbox, I think I'm still thinking about Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> uh, man, that movie messed me up. <laughs> on Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's one word. I've got a YouTube channel as well. You can find that in my bio on both those websites. Right. And they can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd to Pastor Matt R. So, now, mm. the big reveal. Yes. It's your pick. What maybe, are we watching next week? Yeah, maybe not so big. I mean, this isn't like a big, like a huge movie. But uh, I was looking for something. I know we're going to have to start getting into uh, like important movies, you know, things that change the genre. All right. um, we've got some big, uh, big movies coming out, new releases this year. But I don't want to say goodbye to low rent movies. I don't want to say goodbye to <laughs> to, to, to to easy to watch movies, ones that aren't really challenging. And we're coming up on an anniversary, not a big anniversary or anything, but the 43rd anniversary of this movie. And that's 1977's Dead of Night. Uh, oh. An anthology classic, but not really, because uh, most horror fans will be like, oh, yeah, I saw that poster. Um, but here's the thing. Okay. I was actually a TV movie, a Dan Curtis TV movie. I yeah. Think. So yeah. it is, it's on, it's online everywhere. So you have no excuse to not go see it. It's on shutter with a great transfer, but it's also on YouTube with what looks like it was filmed on a phone, but you know, whatever you can, you can see it there. Um, I didn't want to say goodbye to low rent. So dead of night, um, we'll cover it next week. And then, of course, we'll get into whatever you want to see, uh, Dad. But And we've got good movies coming out this year later. Uh, yeah. But Dead of Night, 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. So not bad compared to the 5.6 that, that or 5.4 that Prom Night has. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I love anthology horror. And I will say Dead of Night, um, the 1977 horror anthology TV movie from Dan Curtis, is on Tubi TV as well. So people can go. find it at Tubi TV, so, which is free. Yeah. Uh, Ed Begley Jr., Joan Hackett, Patrick McNee. Uh, yeah, there are some big names in this. So, uh, yeah, I have seen it before. I look forward to seeing it again. I remember enjoying it. So, 
Good on you. So, all right, Dead of Night from 1977 next week. So, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember to hit the disco floor in style. All right. See you next week, folks. And remember, the family that watches horror together slays together. <laughs> <laughs>